Well, welcome to Front Range. Uh, if you're new over the last few weeks, my name is Ernest Smith, and I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so grateful that you are here. Uh, I, every year I take uh, what's called a study break, so some time off uh, to where I can recharge and uh, study some things in regards to um, uh, church or ministry or just life. And I'm so grateful for our staff and our dream team that allow me that opportunity. But if you're new, man, I'd love to connect with you, love to meet you, hear some of your story. Uh, we're so grateful you're here. Whether you're here in the room or maybe you're in the courtyard enjoying this beautiful day or maybe you're watching uh, at home somewhere, we're just grateful to have you. And our hope and prayers that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Now, we'll let you know next week we're starting a new series, and we're having a back-to-school bash. It is going to be awesome. Uh, I've been told we're going to have a nacho bar. Uh, so not, I don't know what that's going to consist of, but it sounds amazing. Uh, and then I heard we're going to have a dunk tank. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to get in that dunk tank at some point, uh, but probably not for the first service because uh, I don't want to be wet for the second one. So uh, but we'd love to have you guys come, hang out. Uh, we're celebrating the back to school. Anybody excited their kids are going back to school? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Four of you are telling the truth. The rest of you are liars. Uh, uh, no, we're, we're all excited that, uh, man, this new school year, the teachers maybe not as excited. We're praying for you, uh, but we'd love to have you next weekend. This would be a great time to invite somebody. So if you have a, a person in your life that might be interested in coming to church, maybe they're trying to check out a few churches, or maybe you have a new neighbor uh, that just moved here, invite them. Next weekend will be a great time. We're starting a new series on the book of Jonah, uh, and I think it's going to be a really, really powerful few weeks uh, as we study that book together. Now, speaking of kids, my wife and I, we have two kids, and I remember when we first got pregnant with our, our, our first one, his name is Wyatt, and uh, I thought, man, i got to figure out how to do this parenting thing. Um, I, I had no clue, you know, I was a youth pastor, so I thought I knew how to parent. Uh, but then when I started to like think about my own kids, I'm like, oh, junk, I don't know how to do this. So I just started like going and talking to as many parents as possible. And I'm like, hey, what do you do? What do you care about? What do you not care about? Well, like, what are the priorities? What are your values? You know, what are the things that you tolerate and what are the things that you don't tolerate? And the overwhelming response when it came to things that you don't tolerate, one thing kept coming up over and over, and that's lying. Now, how many of you as a parent, you've said something like, or maybe your parents have said something like, lying is not tolerated in this house. Have you ever heard or said anything like that? Okay, yeah, most of us, uh, because lying can be so destructive. But I find it fascinating that we would say that lying is not tolerated when we've been lied to our whole lives. Like all of us, we've been lied to by the people that we love the most, uh, by strangers, and by culture. Let me tell you how that happens. I'm going to give you a few statements. I want you to finish these statements. And these aren't just statements. They're lies that you and I have believed. Uh, how about this first one? God won't give you more than you can. Yeah, that's a lie. I, of course he's going to give you more. That's called building trust in him. So of course he's going to give you more than you can handle. How about money can't buy? Yeah, somebody earlier said love. Uh, love or happiness. Um, I would say more the happiness route, and, but here's the deal. I'm willing to do an experiment on that over the next year. So if anybody wants to fund that experiment, I'll try it, see if, it'll, uh, uh, if it's true or not. Uh, how about cheaters never? Yeah. Can you say Tom Brady? <laughs> he proved that you can cheat and prosper. Uh, so uh, how about uh, this one? This one, will, 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 you'll, you'll be so proud of me. How about the, uh, the one who smelt it? Yeah, not true with my kids at all. I smell it, they dealt it, it's awful. 
uh, or sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never Yeah, total lies, right? You've been told lies your whole life, and that one in particular, words do hurt, right? And it's because words hurt, and it's because lying not only impacts the person who is lying, but it's also a poor representation on the family, on the, the, the family that this person's representing. And because words hurt and because lies hurt everybody, it's one of the reasons God puts it in the top 10, Right now we're, we're uh, in a series called 10 where we're looking at the 10 commandments. Uh, we've been studying those over the last few weeks and uh, we have a message series hub that we do for every single series that, that we had. Many of you take advantage of this hub. If you don't, uh, I would encourage you to. Go to uh, frontrange.org, you can find it there. You can scan the QR code on your worship guide. Uh, and in this hub, we have all kinds of resources for you. Uh, we have the, pat, the previous messages in this series, and then we have all, all kinds of resources to, that you can read, that you can listen to, that you can watch. So if you're ever like, man, I need to go deeper in my faith, that's why we've created these message series hubs. Now, the Ten Commandments, I think they're probably the most misunderstood or one of the most misunderstood passages in Scripture. A lot of times people associate the Ten Commandments with like a more conservative time where you have the Ten Commandments outside of a courthouse or schools or something like that. Some people associate the Ten Commandments with a, a God who only cares about rules, but the, commandment, the Ten Commandments are so much deeper than that. You see, the Ten Commandments are really a covenant. It's about a covenant between us and God. It's this relationship, like a marriage between a man and a woman. It's kind of like a marriage between us and God, and God's saying, hey, I'm going to go first in this relationship. And so what did God do? Well, for the Israelites, he rescued them out of slavery from Egypt. For you and I, he rescues us out of slavery to sin. And so God says, I'm going to go first. I'm going to show you my love. I'm going to die on the cross for your sins so that you can be made new, so you can be forgiven, so you can have eternal life. So God says, I'm going first, and I'm going to show you my love, but I need you to show me your love for me. And this is how we do it, through the Ten Commandments. And today we're looking at the last one, uh, the last commandment uh, that, that we've been studying. And so it's, it's a pretty easy commandment. It's going to be right up on the screen. It's Exodus chapter 20. Uh, verse 16, and here's what it says. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Pretty easy. So God says, I don't want you to give false testimony. What does that mean? I don't want you to lie. I don't want you to gossip. I don't want you to speak negatively. I don't want you to say something false about somebody else. Now, I find it interesting that this one is in the top 10. Because think about the Ten Commandments. You've got don't murder, right? Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. All of those are things that we would all go, yeah. Like, those are some big things, right? Like, don't do those things. And then God says, also, don't lie. Seems like kind of a small one to put into this big list. So why does God say not to lie? Why does God say not to bear false witness? Well, there's a legal aspect to it. If you turn to uh, Exodus chapter 23, verses 1 and, and 2, it says this, Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. You see, bearing false witness in a legal sense can have disastrous effects. In 2003, after 27 years, 7 months, and 10 days in prison, Gregory Bright was released. He became a free man. He was exonerated from the crime of murder. Now, he was convicted of murder when he was 20 years old. And the whole reason he was convicted is because there was an eyewitness, someone who didn't see the murder and someone who was on heroin at the time and got paid for their testimony. 
So we know the disastrous effects, right? Like we could, there's probably many, many of those stories that we could share about people who were wrongfully convicted because of some, some witness told some lie. So obviously, legally, there's disastrous effects, but what does it mean to our normal life? I mean, like, why is lying really that bad? Like, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, does this outfit make me look fat? And you think yes, but you say no. Like, that's not going to put you in jail, right? It's not going to throw that other person in jail. So, like, why is lying, why is gossip, why is saying something about someone that's not true, why are these things bad things? It's because at the end of the day, lying is an utter disregard for the character of God. You see, God is a God of justice and a God of righteousness. And he calls you and I as followers of him to be the same, to do the same. So when we lie, ultimately what we're doing is perverting who God is. We're perverting the character of God. We're perverting justice and, and perverting and representing him in a poor way. It's a big deal, so big that Jesus, Jesus even talks about this idea, this concept of, of lying in Luke chapter 6, in verse 43 through 45, it says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So Jesus says that whatever's in your heart is going to come out your mouth. That's kind of a big deal. He says if bad things are coming out of your mouth, it's because there's bad things in your heart. If evil's coming out of your life, out of your mouth, it's because there's evil in your heart. Now, none of us, when we think about our own lives and our own hearts, none of us want to say that we have evil hearts, right? Or that we have like dark hearts or that we're, we're bad hearted. Like somebody will do something and we'll say, well, they're, they've got a good heart. Maybe they didn't mean to do that. But whatever comes out the mouth exposes the condition of our heart. And so if that's true and all of us have broken this commandment, all of us at some point have lied or gossiped or spread false witness about somebody, about some group of people at some point, and if that exposes the condition of our heart, then how do you and I keep from bearing false witness? Let me give you three things, three ways to keep from bearing false witness. Number one, reflect on the power of words in your own life. Reflect on the power of words in your own light. I, I, I bet if you and I were to pause for a moment and we were to reflect on the power of words in our life, all of us could, could come up with people in our lives that have said powerful, meaningful things, right? Like some coach or spouse or parent that said, I'm proud of you, or somebody in our life that has said something, you're like, man, I, I remember what they told me and that, that motivated me, that encouraged me. But the opposite is also true. All of us can also think of people in our lives or words that have been spoken over us that were not positive. I think about all the counseling sessions that I've been in over the years. There's been thousands of counseling sessions I've been in. And whether it's counseling a, a, a couple or a group of people or an individual, I would say nine times out of ten, one of the major issues with that person or with that relationship are words that have been spoken over them. Things like, you're lazy or I want a divorce or you'll never amount to anything, or you're a terrible spouse, or I wish I never had you, or I wish we never married. And the list can go on and on, and these words that we speak over people have this disastrous effect on them. And here's the challenge with words, that once words come out, 
they're really hard to clean up. It's kind of like one of these confetti cannons. Have you ever seen one of these things? If, if, if you haven't, you might want to close your ears if you're sensitive to, uh, to noise. But words are kind of like, kind of like that. I can't hear in this ear now. I might not do that next service. It's kind of like, that's kind of how words are. Facility guy here is going to be really upset with me, but because you can't put this stuff back in. Like when words go out, no matter how many times you say, I'm sorry, no matter how many times you try to clean up the mess, it's out. And it's impacted that person in some, some way. So as you think about your words and as you choose your words, choose words that build up and bring life not words that tear down and destroy. You have a choice in your words. And if you can pause long enough to think about the power that words have had in your own life, maybe you'll pause long enough to think about the words you're speaking over someone else. How do we keep from bearing false witness? Reflect on the power of words in your own life. Number two, choose to see value in every person. Choose to see value in every person. When we speak a false negative over someone, when we when we lie, when we gossip, ultimately what we're doing is we're representing Satan. That's ultimately what we're doing. And I know that sounds harsh, but look what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. That's just what he does. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So if Satan, if he, when he lies, he's just speaking his native tongue. That's just what he does because he's the father of lies. Then when you and I, when we lie, when we gossip, when we speak a false narrative over someone or over a group, we're just participating with him. And none of us want to be connected to Satan. Like there's not a person in here that's like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Like none of us want to be connected to him and yet... When we choose to let our words go wild, when we choose to not see the value of people, I mean, when Satan looks at people, he has no value on them. He's the exact opposite of God. Like when God sees people, he looks at every single person and he says, I created that person in my image. Every person, say every person. Every person has value. Every single person. I mean, so much value that Jesus died for him. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say for God so loved Ernest's world or for so God so loved the, the, the people that are, are best for Ernest or Ernest's friends. It says God for so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for everybody so that whoever chooses, whoever receives Christ, whoever, not a certain group, not a certain demographic, but whoever will have eternal life. And so God says, I, I see such value in people that I'm going to send my own son to die for them. And for us, sometimes this is easy for us. Like when I think about, when I think about Jesus dying for us, like this group in here and those in the courtyard and those watching online, like it's easy for me to be like, yeah, Jesus died for us because I like most of you. You know, I, I, I think most of you are pretty decent, maybe all of you. So it's easy to be like, I, for, Jesus died for us? Yeah, Jesus died for me? That's a little bit harder. Because when I look in the mirror, I know who I am. I know the sins I've committed. I know the, the depth of 
junk in my heart. So it's a little bit harder to be like, man, Jesus died for me. But Jesus died for them? Now that's a different story. Them is the enemy. Them is the one who believes differently than me. Them is this guy that I'm friends with on Facebook. I've been friends with him for a long, long time. Comes from another part of my life. And when I see some of his posts, almost every post he, he gives is political. And I stand on the opposite spectrum of him on most things. And I just want to, like, write him and be like, dude, you're wrong. Like, let me tell you all the reasons you're wrong. Like, that post is crazy. You're crazy. And I just want to, like, see him as lesser than me. And God always stops me. He says, but he has value. It's easy for me to remember that Jesus died for us. It's a little bit harder for me to remember that Jesus died for me. But for Jesus to die for them... That's tough, and it means I have to place value on every person, on you, on me, and on them. And if you don't place value on people, then you can speak about them however you want. But if you see them as a creation of God, as you, if you see them as reflecting the image of God, then you have to place value on them. And it's a lot harder to speak false witness to lie, to gossip about somebody that God says, but I value that person. So how do we keep from bearing false witness? We reflect on the power of words in my life. We choose to see value in every person. And lastly, you speak truth with grace. You speak truth with grace. Now this one sounds easy, but most of us, depending on the situation, we fall on one side or the other. We either speak truth really easily or we have a lot of grace and we don't speak truth. But the Bible says that Jesus came in truth and grace. He came in both. So you can't separate the two. You have to have both. And for most of us, it's situational, right? Like it, when my kids were little, I was thinking about this earlier this week. When my kids were little, like it was a lot easier for me to give them grace and like harp more truth on your kids. And now the older they get, the more I have grace on your kids and the more I want to like speak hard truth to my kids. Because the things that they're, they're doing are more embarrassing to me. Right? So, like, it's situational where you land on, on truth and grace, but you have to do both. We actually did a series a few years back um, called My Big Fat Mouth. We actually put it on the, the message series hub. Um, it's probably it's one of the few series that people refer to me often. Like, they're like, oh, man, that series really spoke to me. If you were with us during that time, you might remember it uh, by us. Uh, during that time, we, well, we gave you an opportunity to pie the pastors uh, which was probably the dumbest idea we've ever had as a church because we all had like pie stuff in our ears for like weeks. Um, and so, but that was the series. And the whole series was about how your words matter and how your words can build up and bring life or they can destroy. And so if you want to watch any of those, you can go on Message Series Hub and you can get all of those. But the whole premise is that and you have to speak truth with grace. One theologian, he said it this way, he said, sticks and stones can only hurt your bones, but words can break your soul. If you care about a person's soul, then you have to speak grace and truth. Right, the truth that you speak to them has to be littered with grace and with love. So many of us, we only choose to speak truth when it feels convenient, when it feels like, uh, this might benefit that other person, but it really benefits me a lot, or when there's good timing, when it feels like the right timing, then I'll speak truth. But Jesus says you have to speak truth in season and out of season. 
when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Now you have to make sure that your, your truth that you're speaking is always flavored with grace and with love. But to not speak truth to somebody because you're worried about how they're gonna respond or how they're gonna take something is a form of lying to them. And ultimately it's a form of disrespect. Right, like if I, if I were to go on, on national TV for an interview and I were to talk to you prior to going on that and you saw that I had food in my teeth and you didn't tell me, I'd be like, dude, that was disrespectful. You should have told me, man. Now all these people saw that. Right, so like we would, we would want each other to speak truth when it's in a moment like that, but what about the deeper things of life? And the words that we speak are kind of like, like donuts. We get these, uh, these cronuts from time to time. That's what they call these things. I wish I was an angel investor for the donut house, but these things are amazing. If you've never had one, you can eat like 30 of them and it's not really like eating a real donut, you know? It's like you, the calories don't count, I don't think. So they're absolutely amazing. One of them tastes really good. 20 of them also tastes really good, but 20 of them will hurt you. Right? They'll be destructive. You eat one, okay, maybe. You keep eating more and more and more. Eventually, these things will destroy you. It's how words are. You might think that the words that you're speaking to somebody might feel good to them, might feel good to you, but if it's not truth, flavored with love and with grace, then it's not helping anybody. It'll just ultimately be destructive. I love this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to close with this, verse 15. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we'll grow to become in every respect a mature body, of him who is the head, that is Christ. So we wanna be the mature body of Christ that represents the world in a way that will draw people to Christ. The way we do that is we speak truth with grace. Now I know some of you are thinking, oh man, I cannot wait to speak truth to this person. I can't wait to tell this person what I th- I've just been given permission. But let me tell you how this really impacts me. I'm not speaking for you, I'm speaking for me. This whole content, con- concept of speaking truth with grace is really important to me when it comes to evangelism, sharing my faith, letting others know about the good news of Jesus. I find it really interesting that in our world today, we could be so vocal about our politics. We could be so vocal about the things that we're passionate about or the things that we think are destroying the world or whatever it may be. The only thing that will save the world is Jesus. And we become so silent on him. Like we're afraid that we're gonna like upset people or push people away or that people won't listen or whatever the case may be. Like the only thing that changes this world is Christ. And so it's our job to share our faith with others. Now for me, like I'm an evangelist at heart, like that's one of my spiritual gifts, so I love sharing my faith, but then I, re- I've, I recognize this summer that I've gotten to a place of like just being stale in sharing my faith. We're like, ah, I mean, people know I'm a pastor, so if they wanna know more, they'll ask me questions. And you can justify anything to not share your faith. You can justify anything. And so the Lord was really just like, man, Ernest, this is how I created you, and this is the most important thing. Like, yeah, sure, share about the other things that you love. I mean, tell everybody about how the Georgia Bulldogs are going to win another national championship, you know, all that stuff. But, like, the most important thing that you know, Ernest, is the good news of Jesus. 
you have to share it. You have to share it. And so then I started praying, okay, Lord, put, put that opportunity in front of me. And about a week later, this guy came to me. We started having this conversation. And he's like, man, I just feel like, I feel lost. I feel alone. You know, all, the, all the things as a pastor, you're like, oh, I, I got your answer, bro. And I felt like the Lord was like, all right, here it is. And I'm like, oh, I didn't mean like now. And so I had to step out of my own box, my own fear, all those things we all deal with. Remember that my calling is to speak truth with grace. So I did. Surprise, surprise, the guy gave his life to Jesus that moment. That's how God works. God's like preparing people in your life right now. I wasn't planning on this message being an evangelism message, but I think it's appropriate because God has people in your life right now that need to know about Jesus. He's placed people in your life, on your street, at your workplace, your kids are about to go back to school and you're gonna meet new parents, new teachers. They're gonna be in your life for a reason, not just to teach your kids, not just because their kids are in your kid's classroom, but because you know Christ and they need to know about him. So will you speak truth with grace? Now this whole bearing false witness, it's a big deal. We know, okay, man, I shouldn't be lying. I shouldn't gossip. It's easy to say I shouldn't do these things, but how do you be proactive with it? Speak truth with grace. If you do that, no matter what setting you're in, no matter what God puts before you, you'll do the right thing. And the words that come out will not tear down and be destructive. They will build up and bring life. As they do that, then we trust God to accomplish his, pur his purpose in that person's life. And I believe that through you being bold, and willing to speak truth with grace, we'll see many people turn to him. We'll see this world change. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that even in the Ten Commandments, God, something that most of us, even if we didn't grow up in church, we have some idea about. I thank you, Father, there's so much more to the Ten Commandments than just do not bear false witness each commandment we've seen in this series is there's so much more that you call us to a greater level of faith, a greater level of love, a greater level of following you and holiness. God, it's this relationship that you have with us that you say, man, I'll go first. And you did. You displayed your love in the greatest way possible by sending Jesus to die for us. There's no way that we can return that. We can live in a certain way. We can live out the fruit of the Spirit or live in a way that would bring you honor and glory without first receiving what you've done for us. And every week we know we have people coming to this church or who are watching online that if we were to be honest, we'd say, man, I, I've never given my life over to Christ. Or maybe I did, but it was a long time ago. And to be real honest, I've been, I've been doing it under my own power, my own way for a while. My question to you is, is it working? It's probably not if you're real with yourself. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you'd say, man, today, I want to receive what Christ has done for us. Not just for us, not just for them, but what Christ did for me. That Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sins. 
you're still going to have some doubts and some questions. I'm sure of it. That's why we as a church will walk with you in this journey. But at some point, you have to take a step of faith over this line of doubt. Say, okay, I'm going to trust him. Okay, I'm going to give my life over to him. So if that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to commit my life to Christ or recommit my life to Christ today, I just want you to raise up a hand. I just want to know who to pray for. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. If you're watching online, you can just simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. Father, thank you for each person, whether they're in this room or in the courtyard or watching at home. Thank you that you know their story. You died for each one of us. I pray, Father, that you would move in our hearts and our lives as we give our lives over to you, Father. These individuals that are just now saying, hey, I'm committing or recommitting my life to you. God, I pray that you would show up in their lives in such a powerful way. You would move mountains on their behalf. God, I thank you that you are a God of grace and of truth. That you receive us. You love us so much, you're not going to let us stay the way we are you receive us just the way we are. And Father, for all of us, tell us what our next step is. God, may the words that come out of our mouth build up and bring life and not destroy or bring death. May we be people that speak truth, truth flavored with that grace and that love like you did. May we be bold and courageous, preaching your word, letting people know who you are so that people can come to know you be forever changed. It's in Jesus' name.